You're live with BBC News. With the fighting in Gaza and the war in Ukraine taking much of the world's attention, there is one conflict that is being horribly ignored, and that is the civil war in Sudan. Since April, when we focused so intensely on the evacuation of the expat community, things have gone from bad to worse. The fighting is led by two men, General Abdel Fattah al-Bohan, the head of the armed forces, and in effect the country's president, backed by the Sudanese army, and then there is General Mohamed Hamdan Dagalo, who was his deputy and is now the leader of a paramilitary group called the Rapid Support Forces, or RSF. There had been some hope near the outset of this war that the two sides could be brought to the table, but since then the fighting has intensified. It is estimated that more than 5,000 Sudanese people have been killed in the crossfire and many, many more have been injured. Over 6 million displaced and now in desperate need of help. But what is particularly concerning are the reports of sexual violence, including rape and sexual slavery. Joining me to discuss from Atbara is uh, Adele Kador uh, from UNICEF. Adele, thank you very much for coming on the programme. Can we start with that? Um, uh, we've seen some truly appalling reports of women taken into sex slavery, some of them very young. Have you investigated this and, and what do you know about it? Uh, thank you for having me. For the moment, we are uh, uh, hearing about those reports. The verification, of course, will take time, uh, but, uh, but it will happen, for sure. But uh, we are horrified at the reports about uh, sexual violence in Darfur. Unfortunately, this brings back the situation back to what it was more than 20 years ago when the 2002 war started in Darfur. So we are very worried about the situation of children. The grave child rights violations have, the reported ones so far, have represent 550, 550 times more than the verified cases in 2022. And I'm talking about reported cases because we are still doing the verification. As you say, um, some of these reports resemble some of the atrocities perpetrated by the Janjaweed 20 years ago. Where has this hatred come from? Uh, the UN report that I read today says the situation in West Darfur is verging on pure evil. These are recurrent conflicts that have been happening in Sudan. And... Um, I think we are seeing a replication of what happened in the year 2022. This is what we are witnessing today. And the civilians, especially children, they always pay the biggest price for that. Mm. Um, we talked in April about the risk of the, the conflict spreading to other countries. Are we, are we seeing that play out in the region? Um, not yet, I would say. Uh, but. Definitely, within Sudan itself, every day there is increased fighting. Every day there is active fighting. Today we heard about the fighting in East Darfur, in Al Bain, which so far had not been heavily impacted. And we are worried that it could move to other areas within Sudan itself. But uh, it is in... a situation of active fighting. Let's bring in David Chin. He's the former U.S. Deputy Chief of Mission in Khartoum and knows the country well. David, it's good to have you uh, with us on the programme. Um, th there's no embargo um, 
no arms embargo, and there are reports that the, the United Arab Emirates are, are supplying arms to the RSF, surely a start would be to call for a, a full embargo at the Security Council and enforce it. Well, yes, you're quite right. Uh, an arms embargo would be very useful at this point. Uh, different countries have arms embargoes on Sudan. For example, the United States does. Uh, on the other hand, the United Arab Emirates uh, has been supplying arms to the rapid support forces for some time and presumably is continuing to do that. Uh, it's possible that Egypt may be supplying a much smaller quantity of arms to the uh, Sudan armed forces. Um, is there any way to, to hold these two warring parties to account? There's, there's obviously a lot of focus on General de Gallo and what his forces are, are committing. Is anyone investigating and, uh, and could, could there be anyone that could sort of inform him what he would be facing unless he reins them in? Well, certainly uh, there, there needs to be an effort by the international community more generally to try to convince uh, parties like the United Arab Emirates um, to stop providing uh, the delivery of arms to the rapid support forces. I'm sure that effort has been made, but it obviously has not resulted uh, in any success so far, or at least uh, as far as we know, it has not had any success. Uh, you would think it would even be in the interests of the UAE to uh, scale down the fighting, and one way to do that is to reduce the quantity of arms going in. Do you think the, the warring parties, David, are taking advantage of the, the wider scene, the, the war in the Middle East and the war in Ukraine? Well, that's hard to judge. Um, they've obviously been supplying these arms for a long period of time. This is nothing new, and there's no indication that it's a larger quantity than in the past. Um, in fact, it's conceivable that it's even a smaller amount, but there are now so many arms floating around uh, this part of, uh, of Sudan that it doesn't really make that much difference what the quantity is. Uh, I, I don't see that they're necessarily trying to take advantage of the, of the situation in Gaza. Uh, they have to, these countries have to ask themselves, what are they gaining out of this? So what, by destroying Sudan, which is exactly what's happening, how do they gain uh, from this? Um, Adele, let me just come back to you. That the, There have been um, talks in Jeddah between the various parties, at least to secure safe pathways for humanitarian access. What came of that? There has been some improvement in terms of the passage of uh, supplies from uh, Chad into Darfur. Of course, the missions that we undertake for the procurement of those supplies and their transportation are really very high-risk missions in terms of security. But we are still facing a lot of access issues elsewhere in uh, Sudan. For example, to be able to get into um, South Darfur, to be able to get into Khartoum, things are much more complicated. But we continue to advocate with everyone on the ground at the field level mm. in order to make sure that the necessary supplies need reach those children who are in very acute need for them. David, I just have a minute left. Our two countries focus a lot on migration. We don't so often focus on the causes of migration. And here we have a country that is imploding and surely into the future, we're going to get a lot of people leaving the country, heading towards Europe. There is an incentive for all countries to be involved in this, isn't there? 
Well, absolutely. Uh, the numbers that have already um, become refugees and in Chad particularly, also in Egypt, are, are, are quite significant and growing. And as you suggest, some of these people ultimately may try to find their way all the way to Europe. Mm. Uh, it's not clear that's happened yet, but uh, that will inevitably happen in the future. David Chen, uh, Adele Kador, thank you very much uh, for talking to us about a story that uh, has dropped off the radar somewhat in recent weeks, but uh, lots of implications in that war for what is going on in the wider region.